Hello and welcome to another episode of Way of the Leader. In today's episode, we're looking at what are the starting immediate points for happiness? What can you do today to change your mood? Now, you might be thinking, what's the reason for this? But I want you to think about a couple of things. These problems are very serious. Stress, burnout, right? Think about brain fog as well. Now, you might think that the, all of these things are disconnected. However, what you will find is the more you look into the literature, the more mood can actually alleviate all of these things. With stress, stress alleviation comes more positive moods. So there's this relationship between harmonizing how you're actually able to process information, be productive, you know, be present in your life, and actually your mood. So there are a lot of things to talk about today. So dig in. And if you want, there's an accompanying YouTube video to this that's a little bit shorter than this episode is going to be. You're more than welcome to dig into that, as well as I created a meditation track specifically for this episode. So check that out in the show notes below. All right, so let's get into it. Let's get deep down and dirty. When we're talking about changing your mood, <clears throat> I want you to think about it along a short, mid, and long-term perspective. Now, the best thing to do is cut to the roots of the problem and not deal with superfluous surface issues. All right. So I'll say that again, cut through to the root of the issue. And oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I find that the root of the issue is something that's deeply patterned into them. So if you remember a couple of episodes ago, I did the episode on the A-PET versus ABC model of the mind. So just as a reminder, the very simple thing is we don't have these beliefs that filter information about the world. We have neurological patterns, you know, these deep-seated, highly, highly um, insulated neural pathways that have been practiced since you were a child, that that's the way that you react to the world. And then you start to create beliefs around that pattern, okay? And so the very simple point is, what can we do to change these patterns? Well, number one is the big patterns need a lot of unpacking. That's where coaching comes in, self-reflection, personal development. This takes time. This takes a lot of time. Unpacking these things helps you to get to the core root. What is the greatest resistance? So I want you to think about the metaphor of uh, a wire that can conduct electricity, right? And the greater the resistance, the less electricity is going to pass through. And let's say that that wire is powering, you know, a, an appliance in your house. It's going to provide less power. The more the resistance is, the less that appliance gets that power, that electricity. So, very simply put, the more we can turn down the resistance, the greater the output, the more energy runs through this thing. And so our inner critic voices... These are resistances, these neural pathways that we run. These are the resistances that we need to kind of become aware of, accept, and then start making choices to actually change those patterns. This is a long-term approach. Short-term approaches, there's all kinds of things that we can do. But ultimately, what is an immediate thing that we can do to bring a little bit of relief and start starving those other pathways? Now, one of the things that I like to do is I like to show people the power of visualization. So consider this. When you are walking around just every day in your daily life, 
your brain is receiving information and you are triggering neural pathways. Okay, great. So who's to say we can't prime our brain to pay attention to different neural pathways than if we were just blindly walking around in a bit of a zombie-like trance of our normal day, our typical daily life. So what would it look like for you to set your brain up to start paying attention to things that shifts your mood into something that's a little bit more happy, joyful, whatever it is? Some of the studies that, are, that come out show that people who are happier are 30% more creative. That's a big number. 30% more thinking space to actually think your way out of a problem to come up with ideas to solve problems. Let's continue. The very simple point is a lot of this is about pattern reconditioning. So there was a study that was done at the University of Chicago in 1996 on visualization. So check this out. They did three groups and they conducted the, um, the study asking this group of students randomly selected to take a series of free throws, right? Basketball, right? Free throws. Great. The percentage uh, of made three free throws were tallied, okay? And the students were then divided into three groups and asked to perform three separate tasks for 30 days. So basically they, their before test was, okay, group of students, just do this free throw and let's see what kind of percentage of free throws you get. Let's say you got 80 out of 100. Great, fantastic. Just for example, you know, the test numbers are, of course, different. Then they divided into three groups. One group was the control group. The control group. No basketball playing whatsoever. Not to touch a basketball for 30 days. Okay. The other group was the physical group. Practice shooting free throws half an hour a day for 30 days. Okay. So this is the group that obviously is going to be practicing the physical thing. And then the third group was asked to come into the gym, just like the other group, but spend half an hour with your eyes closed, simply visualizing, visualizing hitting every free throw. Now, there are some caveats to this. For example, as it turns out, you need to have some level of ability. Your muscles need to have a feeling to associate with this visualization practice. That's important. Okay, but let's continue. So what's the result after 30 days? Surprise, surprise, the group who did nothing had no improvement. That's not a shocker there. The second group, the group that practiced every day, this study found a 24% improvement in performance. Yeah, surprise, surprise, when you practice every day for 30 days, you can show an improvement. Why? Because you've spent time doing the reps. But remember one thing, is that when we're talking neurologically speaking, when you visualize something, a lot of the, the data that's out there show that the brain is still stimulated in the same way. It doesn't know the difference between reality and visualizing reality. And so the group, the third group that was visualizing it, they also improved in their free throws by 23%. So think about it like this. The physical action of practicing free throws, 24% improvement. Okay? Compared to just closing your eyes and thinking about it, got 23%. That's a 1% difference. That is huge to go towards this idea that neural pathways don't need to be physically stimulated, that we can actually just do it in our minds. And doing the mental work can actually be just doing reps in your head with visuals. So based on this principle, I 
ask myself the question, can I change my mood? I found myself waking up, not being very happy, going through my day kind of grunting and whatever. I had personally, I had a lot of work to to do around finding my core values, what is it that I bring to the table, my pride in myself, what is it that puts me apart from others, my status, my groups, accomplishment. There's so many things that can weigh into mood in the long term. But in the short term, I challenged myself to do this. And I said, okay, I'm going to see if I can change my mood. And it's not necessarily positive spinning. It's not looking at a bad situation and saying, but it's okay because I still get to do this or I still get to do that. That's a different thing. But rather, I wanted to react to my environment to see if my environment could trigger me to smile. And so that's exactly what I did. Every day in the morning, I did a meditation, a visualization where I ran through three or four different things, and I practiced, I repeated each one of those three or four things, about five to ten reps. So I'll explain what they are right now. Um, They're all laid out in the meditation track that I've connected. So it goes like this. Number one was animals of some kind. Puppies, kittens, goats that freeze when they get surprised. Whatever it was that made me smile. And I do reps like that. It's about a five-second video clip that you run through in your head. So the first time you run through it in your head, it's a quick reminder. The second time, try and see a little bit more of the picture. Add more color. Add more volume. You know, try and make it more detailed. And the more detailed you make it, the more your brain is then connecting with it. And so the first thing that I would do is I would replay events to make me smile. Number one. Okay, I'd replay all the times that I've seen a dog or a cat or something like that. That made me smile. And then I would physically also, while I'm meditating, feel my mouth curl into a smile. I say a smile because it's a softness, a kind of joy. And you can see it on a person's face when they're walking around versus the grinning idiot who's like super excited, super happy. It's a different emotion. It's a different feeling. That soft, gentle joy is what I'm trying to go for. Because these people are usually the people to inspire joy out of others, you know, a calmness as well. Versus the giddy, overexcited person, that creates distance between you and people as well. And that's a very high energy emotion too. So the soft, gentle joy was the target. I mean, we could graduate to that. You could try this visualization practice with that as well. But I went for the soft, gentle joy. Okay, so number one was animals. Number two was children. Think about babies, the strange faces they make, how amazed they are at the world, or toddlers, the way that they stomp their feet and everything is exciting for them, or they might scream and with this burst of joy and burst of energy, you know, and so I would think about uh, a baby or something like that that maybe I've seen on TV or a YouTube clip or some kind of meme. Uh, Maybe I'd seen one on the public transportation I was taking at the time. And I would recall that and I would smile, I'd build more detail and I would call that joy into my mind and allow myself to smile and allow that, that warmth, that joy to kind of release tension from my body. The third thing was then going to be lovers. I I like seeing lovers, people expressing love, that feeling of love. So whether it be grandma and grandpa holding hands walking down the streets or whether it be like, you know, puppy love, two young kids and, you know, they're obsessed with each other. That's great. Or just, you know, mom and dad and this is, you know, touch at the table as dad goes to order, you know, the food for the family or whatever it is. There's always a case 
of some kind of human affection. And it reminds me that humans are wonderful. And so coming from that perspective, that warms my heart to see that kind of thing. And of course, this could extend to anything, to kindness. You can break the rules for anything that literally you react to with joy. One of the last ones that I found as well was nature. The way that the sunlight was shining through the trees at the time and the leaves were shimmering or the reflection of, of lights on the water or whatever it is. Practicing that, first and foremost, to prime my mood. And then, after that, asking myself, okay, where am I going to be today? I'm going to be on public transportation. I'm going to be in the streets on the way to public transportation. I'm going to be in the gym. I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be uh, in that coffee shop. And then imagining that I'm going to see these things. I'm going to pay attention in the back of my mind. When I'm there, I'm going to just open myself up to receiving, um, you know, seeing these things being receptive to them and priming the brain to say, hey, if you see this, let me know and I'll smile. And that's exactly what happened. And on day one, maybe I saw one or two things. On day two, two or three things. Day three, day four, day five. By the end of my six months period, I didn't need to meditate like this anymore. And this was five years ago. And I still don't need to meditate like that anymore. I'm still very reactive with soft, gentle joy to things that I see now. And I found that it changed inherently my personality and made me a lot more gentle, a lot kinder, uh, a lot happier. And that's been incredible for someone like me who's um, in the past had bouts of depression, you know, because things have always been so serious. And my value has not necessarily been to diminish how serious life is, but rather to make sure that I'm equally paying attention to the parts that make life worth living. Finding a balance. And that is what I'm about. Finding harmony, finding balance. So hopefully this inspires some ideas in you. You're welcome. Like I said, you're welcome to check out the meditation track. It's free. It's on an app called Insight Timer. I've uploaded a couple of tracks on there. You're welcome to check it out. And the idea is that um, if you want to personalize it, it's very easy to do. You can literally do this in your car before you turn the key. It'll take a couple of minutes. Just run through a couple of visuals in your head. And the interesting part is that this is one out of three meditations that you could do. And the more you can kind of sink yourself into the personalization of what brings you joy, of how you actually add value, you'll see that it has a greater impact on you. So for example, we talk about kindness and, uh, and attention, but this is just me reacting to my environment. So this is meditation one of three. Now meditation two of three was okay, what's an action that I did, a kindness that I did, but anyone else in the world could have done it. But they didn't. I did it. Like opening a door or washing dishes for someone, right? And then the final meditation has got to do more specifically with my skills, my personality, my specific value add. Who am I when I wake up in the morning and I, I, I just am this person without any effort? I lean into certain things. And in particular with me, what is that? Well, I love horror. Why do I love horror? Well, because I love figuring out what are the rules around the monsters. I love 
I'm a nerd. I love science fiction. I love fantasy. Why? Because I like the way that people have created the world around these th types of things. And what, what are the philosophical questions that they're asking? What is the heart, the crux of the story about? So I'm a nerd like this. And so any time that I get to flex these muscles, which are effortless, and really add value to someone, that, that truly brings up my joy, my pride in being who I am. And that's a great, that's a great extension to what I'm talking about now. The low-hanging fruit is just going to be reacting to your environment, okay? But eventually what you're going to do is you're going to scour your environment for ways in which you can add value in a way that only you can add value to the people around you, giving of your time, giving of your talent. Oh, so that is all I have for today. I hope you've enjoyed this one. If you do, please like, share, subscribe. I appreciate all the support. Um, if you are listening to this on Substack, perhaps, uh, sorry, if you're listening to this on Spotify, perhaps Google Podcasts or Apple, please know that I am on Substack and I do release content for subscribers specifically on that. The content that I release is the top 10 lists of my interviewers. I should say interviewees, the people that I interview, I ask them, what are the top 10 skills that leaders should have? And that is only for subscribers on Substack. But regardless, there's also an accompanying video to this. I hope you enjoyed it all and I will see you in the next one.